Hey everyone, it's Caleb, and I'm so excited that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast. And today I'm doing something a little bit different in that um, today I kind of want to focus on some of the things that I've been learning from over the past, uh, you know, month, several weeks, all of that stuff. Um, However, this does happen to be your first time uh, listening to the podcast. I do want to let you know that really kind of one of the, we have really two big driving things or two big uh, beliefs that really drive what we do here in the Learner's Corner and the type of environment, the type of podcast and type of content that I'm trying to create. The first one is this, is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations because... Uh, If you've gone throughout life, you've probably realized there's things that you can talk with people about and there's things that you can't talk with people about because either they're going to get too emotional about it or they feel like you're being divisive or that you're judging them or um, or that you're heading down the wrong path by simply even uh, learning something from this person or listening to a podcast, listening to a talk, reading an article um, or a book or, or just anything like that. And so we want to create a place to where we, where you can learn from anyone and from everyone and that you don't have to agree with someone completely in order to learn from them either. I feel like I see so much stuff uh, from that of people just condemning people left and right or trying to cancel people um, just for, um, just because they disagree with them on different issues. And uh, that might be something to uh, talk about in another future episode of just, um, why that isn't necessarily uh, the best option for us to do. But the other thing is uh, kind of, as I mentioned before, is that we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, from anything and from everything, even if that's how not to do something, even if that's learning uh, the paths to avoid or learning from someone else's failures or learning from um, just anything that doesn't go right or learning from their poor example. We believe that we can learn from anyone in terms of those things. And sometimes, you know, maybe that's a biography. Maybe sometimes that, that's through an, an interview. Maybe that's through, uh, you know, uh, an article or whatever it might be, regardless of what it is. We truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone. And we want to create a safe place to have uh, difficult conversations. Now, normally what we would do uh, with the podcast is, you know, right around this time would be where, you know, I'd be introducing you. Uh, to a guest that's coming on the podcast and telling you a little bit about them or their book or some of the things that we're going to cover in the conversation. And we do do that quite a bit. Uh, but that is not this episode. This episode, I want to share uh, just some things that I've been learning from. And uh, I'm going to reference a lot of uh, different things today. And all of uh, all of those things will be uh, linked in the show notes and stuff. Um, if you have something uh, that you would love us to cover on the podcast or uh, that you would love um, just my take on, you can feel free uh, to email me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to stay in touch with me and just all of that good stuff. Or if there's somebody uh, that you would want to see on the podcast or anything like that, learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so let's dive into some of the things that I've been learning from recently. Now. Number one is a staple. If you've been listening to the podcast at, for any length of time, you know that this was going to be on here uh, at some point. Um, but I, one of the podcasts I love to listen to is the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. And uh, one of the podcasts recently that came out uh, a couple of months ago, has I've still been thinking about it and still thinking about how it applies to me. And that's from Jimena Vogacina. 
on what you learned about the user experience at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Pinterest, and the power of listening like you mean it. And that second part is really the the things that stood out to me from the interview with Gary and what she said about listening. It's uh, you know, as an as someone who has a podcast and uh, you know does a lot of interviews, that's something that I'm constantly looking to get better at, and it's pretty hard to find stuff um, about how to become a better listener because it's what like talk less, you know, shut up, ask good questions, you know, things like that. And it's really difficult to get into the specifics, but Jimena uh, really does an incredible job of that. Um, I know that she has a book out as well. Um, I haven't had the chance to read the book yet, but uh, I'm going to get it. It has made it onto my list. Um, but here's some of the things that uh, that really stood out to me from this. You know, one of the questions that Carrie asked her was, "What are the biggest mistakes you see people make whenever it comes to listening?" And she said, you know, we often think that we're listening when we're not. Instead of really deeply listening, we're at the same time winding up a response. We are listening to our own inner monologue as opposed to what the other person is saying. In other words, I'm, I'm listening to how to try to prove you wrong instead of listening to where, to maybe what you're really trying to say. And when we don't really listen, we miss things out on that. We miss the subtext. We miss the, sometimes we miss the inflections of someone's voice. And we miss uh, the, the hidden messages, the things that they're communicating that maybe they don't even realize that they're communicating through, you know, the tone of their voice, the emotion in their voice. Uh, I think another thing that really stood out to me from it was uh, she said, you know, the big problem. And she talked about interrupting. The big problem with interrupting is that you lose out on what the other person is going to say. And how many times has that, I know that's happened to me so many times, you know, I I interrupt or I get interrupted and I give my thought and then all of a sudden the person's like, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Or for me, I know that that happens so, uh, so many times for me to where, uh, you know, maybe I'm interrupted and it just flees my mind. In fact, um, one of, one of the funny things that uh, that there's this uh, group that I'm a part of, and uh, we meet every single week. And one of the things that has helped us with this is uh, uh, we would constantly say, "Hey, pin pin this thing," and it, we'd usually give you know like a couple of words to it that would help us remember the word. And uh, and so what we ended up doing was buying a corkboard, and now we pin things on the corkboard whenever we uh, get together. I think another thing that I know that I've been very guilty of, and a lot of times it happens uh, whenever I'm on uh, phone calls with people, is trying to make sure that I'm only paying attention to the phone call and not, you know, scrolling through Twitter, not uh, not searching anything on my phone, but trying to engage with the conversation and, and be more active and present. And that's just something that. Uh, I just have work to do. Like, I feel like I'm pretty decent whenever it comes to, you know, engaging in one-on-one conversations to where, um, you know, we're in person and everything like that. Uh, but for the most part, um, it is difficult to do it whenever you're talking via the phone because there's just so many other distractions and the other person isn't there. And so if you feel like you could get away with it a little bit more in terms of, you know, just all just all of that stuff. So that's the first thing that I've been learning from. And 
obviously there's a lot there's a lot of other uh stuff and at some point if it really matters to me um or if i if i really feel like uh, i need to cover it, we'll continue to cover it on the podcast but that's the first one the episode that Carrie Newhoff did with Jimena and it's all going to be it's all in the show notes as well the next thing was uh a tweet that i saw uh from Beth Moore which really stood out and this was um, a couple of weeks ago, and again, I'll link to this. And it's a, uh, oh man, it's a it's a thread, and so it's a little bit lengthy. But let me let me read this. Actually, let me let me, let me tell you a little bit about uh, the background on this. Um, first of all, if you're not following Beth Moore on Twitter, you need to follow Beth Moore on Twitter, and uh, she is a great follow. She has a ton of insights, and uh, we're going to get to one here in just a second. But um, she was receiving a ton of pushback for some of the things that she said uh, around the situation that was happening in Afghanistan. And a lot of people um, who had accused her uh, for voting for President Biden because she has uh, she has come out pretty harshly uh, during uh, former President Trump's uh, presidency and in, in all of that. And so a lot of people assumed that she uh, um, had voted for Biden. And we're giving her a lot of flack for the for what was happening in Afghanistan. And so, and so she took to Twitter and responded. And she said, I'd like a word if I may. I'm told I don't get to grieve what's happening in Afghanistan because, quote, unquote, you voted for Biden. Nope, I didn't. Nor did I vote for Trump. I wrote in. You can discuss the pros and cons of that all day long, but here's my point. If I had voted for Biden, that would not mean I had no right to disagree with his actions on various matters. I'm going to be candid here. If more of the big Trump supporters I knew had been more willing to say they were appalled by some of his actions, I could have handled the mess better. Nuance is a normal human thought process. What seems far less normal to me is picking a side, and you are on that side. And with that said, uh, yeah, and with that said, and 100, 100% in agreement with that side, no matter what happens, seems to me that the most valid, constructive criticisms with the most potential for change come from within. And I think she highlights something that's really good, and this is one of the reasons why it stood out to me so much on the podcast, is because it hits at the thing of, um, you know, it it comes very close to the thought of or the belief of the learners' corners that we don't have to agree with everyone, and that doesn't mean that we have to endorse everything that everyone does. We can still learn from that person as well, and even if even if we choose to learn something from that person, there can still be ideas. They can still have actions that we don't have. That we don't have to agree with. We don't have to one hundred percent agree with everyone on anything. And I know that's a pretty, um, especially whenever it comes to try. I was going to say tribalism, but it is tribalism um, in the form of po- in the form of politics. Um, feeling like you have to agree with someone on one hundred percent on everything because you, uh, because you you know find yourself affiliated with a certain political party or with a. Um, or you know, I'm I'm in the church world. It could be uh, a denomination or a certain group agreeing with them on 100 of everything. It could be a dangerous situation in that, 
because sometimes that leads to us turning off our brains and not thinking about what may be best. And sometimes people who who we may not naturally who we may not necessarily identify with primarily, they might have the best solution that is a counter to the group that we tend to identify ourselves with. And so I love Beth Moore because she's willing to tweet things like that. And she is just um just what she was saying in her in her quote in her tweet. She's willing to dive into the nuance and is willing to bust through the labels and the stereotypes and is pretty hard uh to pin down or to fit into a box so that um because one of the things about fitting people to a box is that one way if we don't agree we either agree with them or we don't agree with them if we fit them into a box and that either gives us uh permission to you know say oh hey we can we can endorse this person we can hang out with this person or it gives us permission to dismiss that person or cancel that person so that's number 2 number 3 is actually a song and it's from the band uh churches and the song is he said she said it's from their uh, latest album, um, Screen Violence. And I remember whenever this single first came out, I remember uh, listening to the lyrics to it. And if you haven't listened to the song, I would encourage you go listen to it real quick. Um, we'll link to it, as I mentioned in the show notes. But I remember listening to this song and going, okay, there's a lot, there's a lot more deeper meaning here. There's a lot of... Um, so the the singer or the the vocalist of the the lead vocals for the band is uh, Lauren Mayberry, and she sings in this song about um, a lot of uh, sexism and the standards that women have been uh, that women have been held up to in it. And I just want to read uh, some of the quotes because it really got me um, just thinking. And Lauren says uh, in this article uh, with Rolling Stone. I feel like I have spent a lot of my life performing the uncomfortable balancing act that is expected of women, and it gets more confusing and exhausting the older I get. Be successful, but only in the way that we want you to be. Speak up for yourself, but not so loudly that you steal men's thunder. Be attractive, but only for the benefit of men, and certainly don't be vain. Strive to be the hot, sad girl, but don't actually be sad in a way that's inconvenient for anyone. Be smart but not smart enough to ask for more than what you've been given. And she goes on and says, he said, she said, is my way of reckoning with things I've accepted that I know that I shouldn't. Man, and that's that's just so true for all of us. I think we all have these beliefs um, about that. I'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, she continues and says, things I pretended weren't damaging to me. It was the first song we wrote when we started back and the opening line, he said, you bore me to death, was the first lyric that came out. All the verse lines are tongue-in-cheek or paraphrased versions of things that have actually been said to me by men in my life. Being a woman is so effing exhausting, and it, better, and it felt better to scream it into a pop song than scream it into a void. After the past year, I think we can all relate to feeling like we're losing our minds. And it it opened, um, I shouldn't say it opened my eyes because this isn't my uh, first time, you know, encountering, um, you know, women talking about sexism and, and the double standard 
that comes to men and women as well. But it was just a, um, it just hit me in a new way because of the, um, because of it being in the song. And it's such a, from the lyrics to the music, to the beat, to all of it. It's an incredible song. It's probably one of my favorite songs of 2021. And just listening to it and then going through all of these quotes, it, it's just something that makes me think about this in a different way. And what she was saying about um, that, I think we we all, especially you know, if we're men, we can't we can't relate to know what that's going through. But what she was saying is that there's things I pretended that weren't damaging to me. I think we all have that stuff in our life. Stuff that we've told ourselves, it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. Um, And we have excused it because of that, even though it's hurting us. And maybe if it's hurting other people as well. And so, yeah, I would say that's just, it's something for us to pay attention to. What are the what are the ways in which we may be damaging ourselves or damaging other people, whether that be beliefs or actions, and paying attention to that. And paying attention to things like this song and listening to other people's experiences and how we may um, unintentionally, inadvertently, um, maybe bringing harm to the people around us as well. And we're going to get into that with one other thing here in uh, in a little bit. but. Um, I do want to recommend, so that's number three. Number four is this book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. And I've been going through this book, oh man, for a long time. Um, This is a book that um, I'm trying to remember. It it made me so mad. Uh, And just, and the best way that I've uh, described it to people is it filled me with a lot of righteous anger. Because of reading through her book, uh, so the the subtitle is called the, "How the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth." And Beth Allison Barr is a is a historian, and so it's um, she traces through the history of Christianity, of how uh, of patri of patriarchy and how that came to be, and how it's led to uh, the subjugation of women. And one of the things uh, that I remember it made me so mad um, is seeing how women have been erased throughout history because we thought that it would advance the gospel and how and how uh, Christians thought it would advance the gospel. And I remember that pissed me off so much. Um, I had to stop reading it and going and understanding that that's not how it was when Jesus was around. And Jesus constantly elevated women in that and brought, and elevated the dignity of everyone and knowing that everyone is equal and that everyone is made in the image of God and that, um, you know, as, as Paul said, and she, and if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but what about Paul? She gets into that. I'm not going to get into that here. Um, but one of the things, uh, here, here's a couple of quotes that stood out to me. The first is the evangelical church fears that recognizing women's leadership will mean bowing to peer pressure. But what if the church is bowing to cultural peer pressure by denying by denying women's leadership? And you look throughout, um, if you look throughout history and not recent history, um, that has been the case of women have not been considered leaders in most dominant cultures. 
in that. And and like, there's still a long way to go. I mean, just look at look at the gender pay difference and the gap and, and all of that stuff and attitudes towards women leaders and 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 everything with that. Um, so that's one of the things that really stood out to me. And the other thing is this, and this is so this is a lot more far-reaching implications than um than just uh women's history. And it's this quote, glorifying the past because we like that story better isn't history. That's propaganda. And I think that one of the things that I'm trying to do is trying to understand what history really looked like and what was told to us and what isn't true and what is true and what are the things that we've been told or passed down that we accepted as true that aren't true. And that's why I'm reading things like the making of biblical womanhood and that and trying to learn more. And there's a lot of other things that I'm learning from right now. And as I complete them or get uh, further into them, I will share all of those things with you. Okay, so number five is a lot lighter (laughs) in terms of that, in terms of uh, some of the other things that we've been talking about on the podcast. Uh, And number five, let me provide a little background for this. Uh, One of the TV shows that I've really enjoyed um, uh, rewatching, and I've I've finished my rewatch, is Lost the TV show. Now you may know about Lost, you may not know about Lost. Um that's okay. I've been uh l- listening to um a Lost rewatch podcast. It's called The Storm, a Lost rewatch podcast. I know. There you go. Um but one of the thing or there's there's two things in here and you don't need to have watched the show in order to do this though. I would recommend the show. Um but there's this there's this line of dialogue that goes back and forth. And uh, between these two characters called uh, Jack Shepard and John Locke. And it's found in episode two, season three. And I feel like it encapsulates something that I have just been contemplating and thinking about recently. And so it starts out by, and, the, and they're in this heated exchange. And, uh, and if you're familiar with the show, you probably know uh, what it's about. If not, I won't spoil it for you. But they're in this heated exchange, and John Locke asks this question, why do you find it so hard to believe? And Jack responds and says, why do you find it so easy? And John answers him, it's never been easy. And for me, one of the things that I've been thinking about as it, uh, as it pertains to my own faith is that there's a lot of things that we just don't know. And there's a lot of things that honestly, if we look at the state of the world, if we even look at, you know, maybe if we don't look at our own personal situation, sometimes it's very hard to believe God, that he is faithful and that he will come through for us. And I love what John says in there, that believing is not easy. It's hard. And one of my favorite prayers that I've started praying Recently, I can't remember exactly when. Sometime, you know, over the last year, the couple of years, is um, is this prayer that uh, that I well, I guess I've turned it into a prayer, I guess, but it's found in uh, one of the gospel accounts, and um, this man says to Jesus, you know, Jesus, will you help my unbelief? Will you fill in the gap for me? 
Even whenever it's really difficult to believe, will you make it up for me? And that's why I'm so glad that we have Jesus, that we have God, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And um, is through that. Is that that's him. That's the type of God that we follow, the one who is okay with our unbelief and will fill in the gap. And then the other takeaway from it is this line that is said uh, in the podcast, uh, The Storm a uh, Lost Rewatch podcast. And it's this, is that the best answer to a mystery is a person. And I've been uh, trying to, you know, just understand his story a lot better for um, another project that I'm working on and trying to see um, if it if it can happen and trying to figure out the format and everything. And so listening to that and going like, man, the best answer to a que- to a mystery is a person. And if you look through a lot of the stories, there's a um, there's uh, <laughs> this might be a little bit of spoiler thing, but there's this person who they said, you know, there's this there's this mystery that happens in uh, in Lost, and their answer to it was a person. And for them, uh, that person was a was a guy named Desmond in there. So if you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. If not, um, watch the show or don't watch the show. But that's something that I've been thinking about recently. Now, time for the sixth and final one. Uh, and that is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I will let you know. Um, I loved the movie. It is one of my favorite uh, MCU origin stories for me. I have uh, some tiers of MCU movies. It is firmly in tier one for me. I loved the the fighting, the action, the soundtrack was incredible, and uh, the Tony Tony Liu, who does who is the villain in there, absolutely I mean, Everybody, honestly, everybody is just amazing in there, and just the emotional journey of the story. And it is absolutely incredible. Now, um, I want to tell you some of the things that as I was just digging in, trying to understand Shang-Chi better, I came across um, some different articles and some different quotes. And one of the ones that I'm going to be referencing a whole lot is uh, on The Ringer. And it's uh, by Daniel Chen. It's called The Reclamation of Shang-Chi. Again, all of this will be linked in the show notes um, but one of the, the interesting things that I heard in, uh, in some of the podcasts that I listened to, and uh, Daniel references it in his too, is that, um, one, this is the first Asian-led film in the MCU for Marvel Studios, which is since 2008. And this is only the fourth film produced by a major Hollywood studio to feature a predominantly Asian cast since 1993 with some of the other ones being uh, Joy Luck Club, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, the Disney Mulan movie, which came out fairly recently, which is wild to think about, that you can go almost 30 years and it being only the fourth you know, pri- prom- predominantly Asian cast, which is ridiculous and isn't something that, that I knew about that. Or I, didn't, I didn't know anything about that. Now let me let me read you uh, some of the things that really stood out to me from Daniel Chen's uh, article, which is really great. And he quotes uh, um, several people in there that I want to read from. One is, uh, and I'm gonna try to get some of these names the best that I can. One is from 
Jean Luen Yang, who is a comic writer and is uh, currently writing uh, the run of Shang-Chi comics for Marvel. And one of the interesting things that he said, that really there's, there's two quotes wanna, that I want to read. The first is, and this is what uh, Yang says, when I signed up to do Shang-Chi as the writer, I went back and read a lot of those Master of Kung Fu comics that I had avoided as a kid. And if you're not familiar, let me, let me pause and just say, if you're not familiar with Shang-Chi, there's a lot of prob- problematic comics and um, misrepresentation and, um, and just racist caricatures that are, that are in those comics and that are, are very offensive as well, which is what he's, uh, what he's alluding to. So let me start that over. So Yang says, when I signed up to do the Song Chi comics as a writer, I went back and read a lot of those Master of Kung Fu comics that I had avoided as a kid. And I realized that he, talking about Chong Chi, functions really differently from what we think of as the standard Marvel character. He says, I think Spider-Man is the prototypical Marvel superhero and his appeal is you're supposed to identify with Spider-Man. But Chong Chi is not like that. You're not meant to identify with Shang-Chi. You're meant to look at this weird, quote-unquote, China man doing all of these spectacular kung fu feats, but you're not necessarily meant to empathize with him. That's one of the things that, uh, and he's talking about his co-creator who does the art on it, Daiki, and I really wanted to fix. And then the second quote is this. One of the big things that we struggle with as Asian Americans, and maybe especially Asian American men, is the idea of the Asian horde. Like we're this faceless crowd as opposed to individuals. That's how we've been portrayed traditionally in American comics and in American film. The thing that I'm most excited for, referring to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and I hope it's the first for the trend, is that we're going to get individualized. We're going to be seen as three-dimensional beings. And then Simu Lu who portrays Shang-Chi, said this, which was really eye-opening to me as well. He said, I remember my very first acting set that I was ever on, which was Pacific Rim. I was a minimum wage extra, and I'd just be looking at the stunt performers who were Asian and thinking, wow, if I work really hard, maybe I could get there one day, and maybe I could be a faceless stuntman that gets beat up by a white character. But that was it. If you worked in the industry and you were an Asian guy, then you were most likely a martial artist and you most likely were a stunt guy. That's just the reality of it. And when you, and I just think of like whenever you hear things, like I mentioned earlier, this is only the fourth, the fourth predominantly Asian cast. And it, it makes sense why Simu would, would think that and believe that because that, that was the reality of it. Another quote from Destin Daniel Creighton, who is the director of the film, said this, once you really understand a character and you can relate to them, it's hard to put them into a stereotypical box. It makes me think of, or that makes me think of um, Brene's, Brene Brown has this quote that it's hard to people, or it's hard to hate people close up, so get close. And then the last quote that I want to share is uh, from an interview that uh, that Destin uh, did. Uh, at his, or it's not an interview. Uh, he mentioned at the press conference that uh, for the movie, he said uh, he got some advice from Ryan Coogler, who made the Black Panther movie, which is absolutely incredible as well. 
And Dustin said, the thing that Ryan said to me, which really eased my mind, was the pressure is hard. It'll be the hardest thing potentially that you have done up until this point. But none of that pressure or none of those complications come from the people that you're working with, which is so good. And I think that's all that I have. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot more in all of these resources that I've mentioned. And for you to check them out, go to the show notes. All of them will be linked there. Um, I would love your thoughts on just this episode in this format. I'm going to try to keep them uh, shorter. You know, this one is going to be right around 30 minutes and trying to keep it right in that, you know, that 20, 30 minute window. So of just some of the things that I'm learning from. So. Uh, just a real quick recap of some of the things. One would be the Carrie Newhoff podcast with Hamina. Another one would be the uh, Beth Moore quote, the church's song, the making of biblical womanhood by Beth Allison Moore, the storm, the lost rewatch podcast and Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings and all of the articles, everything that we mentioned again, will be in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. This episode. If you have any uh, feedback or uh, or things that you want us to cover on the podcast, remember reach out to me at learnerscornerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed this. Leave a rating, write a review. That would mean a lot. And finally, thanks to Sam Massey who provided the music for this podcast. Thanks to Garrett Oler who did the editing for this podcast. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.